Screw you, Rob. We're in a fight. I'll never forgive you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the eighth episode of Riverdale Season 5, Lock and Key. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, who I would swap keys with any day, Kirsten McInnes. Ah! Kirsten, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you doing? I, I mean, oh swapping my... keys is not even, like, the phrase, but, like... Yeah, I know. I feel like swapping keys means, like, you take my keys, I take your keys, and we go to each other's homes separately. I'd do that. That's fine, too. We could We could do that for a day. Your apartment looks pretty cool. So, oh, yeah, super cool. Uh, you can see behind my fake banner behind me. Yes, I l- key party. You ever been to one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have never been to a key party because uh, I'm not old yet. We used to have to put our keys in a bowl when we would go over to people's houses in college, like when we were all still living at home and we were like technically underage, but our parents knew that we were going to be drinking probably. They would just like take all of our keys, make sure nobody dried to drive away. Yeah, I, that's not the same kind of key party. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> so, okay. I just watched this episode just now, but I do did know the key party was coming because Sam Stanish, who you know and I know, I don't think he listens to this, uh, he texted me, wow, I haven't watched any Riverdale since season one, and it has taken a turn. And I was like, yeah, it's it's a lot. And he goes, oh, a key party. And I was like, what? Excuse me? So all I knew about this episode going in is that there would, in fact, be a key party, and it did not disappoint. See, I was going to say the diff- the opposite. I was going to say most anticlimactic key party ever. Well, I mean, in a way, but like all of the setup to it, I feel like was sure. good. The setup was definitely better than the actual swapski of keys for sure. So yeah, yeah, that was, let, that was weird. Yeah, let, let's get into it so we can talk more about it. We'll talk about the key party first and then move forward to everything else. Uh, but first, we have a Jughead voiceover. A lot can happen in seven years, but in Riverdale, the more things change, the more they stay exactly the same. And this is like intercut with Kevin hooking up with a random trucker. It- yeah, because Kevin can't give up cruising is what we're supposed to believe. I, like this is this. I really need some explanation on this plot when we get to it. So we're going to start with the plot that I have labeled the B squad gets the main plot for a change. Because okay. even though they've elevated a lot of these cast members to quote unquote main cast, they're still never actually the main plot, except for this time when they really, they took up the majority of the scenes at the very least. Which, you know what? Good for them. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. I'm a little frustrated that, like, it would be nice for a change to have the main plot be, like, Tony and Jughead or Archie and Kevin. That's a weird pairing. But, like, something like that. Instead, I mean, you have, like, last episode when we were doing the whole fire truck stuff, like, Kevin was there in a lot of scenes, but he wasn't really doing anything. The plot wasn't about him. These, These characters tend to just sort of assist the main characters, the main four, but it, unless they're all together and it's like, the, oh, they can only have the main plot when it's just them, when it's just the B squad. So let's talk about it. So Kevin comes home to Tony and Fangs and he doesn't exactly lie, but he doesn't mention that he just hooked up with the trucker. No, he, d- he lies. He lies and says he had to go to several stores to get all the different kinds of milk and cereal. You know, he went, hooked up with that guy and then went to one store. He lied. He fully lied. 
side. Where are the several stores in Riverdale vicinity? Yeah. What, okay, what grocery stores do you think they've got in Riverdale? Because, I mean, if they don't have a fire department, they probably have no stores at all. Like, do you think he had to go to Sodale? Probably. Which is still confusing because you would imagine that, like, at one point there was a grocery store in Riverdale. Yeah, and it probably got arsoned. Oh, boy. So frustrating. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know how this all worked out. But this definitely, like, had several kind of annoying moments. The, the most annoying one was in the next scene where Kevin and Fangs are in a steam room that just says boxing gym on the wall. I'm assuming this is the El Royale, but yeah, who, no. who knows? Gotta be the El Royale. And I think that they were just like, listen, this episode of Riverdale has a certain quota of shirtless men that we need to show. Like, a, it's like in Canada, a certain amount of time on the radio has to be Canadian content. I think Riverdale has a contract where a certain amount of every episode has to be shirtless men. And so they were meeting that quota. And you know what? Not complaining. I'm on board. Yeah. It's fine. Not complaining. We find out there, though, that Fangs and Kevin have had an open relationship this whole time. So Kevin was not cheating on him necessarily, but I think he should have not lied about it No, but it's also like it's implied that the majority of the open relationship was from Fangs' perspective when he was on the road, which apparently he's not on the road now. I don't know. They just say, oh, but that was when I was on the road. And this is one of my least favorite TV and movie tropes, which is person brings up a conversation, second person interrupts and speaks first, and whatever they say makes the first person not want to say what they were originally going to say, which is what happens here, because you hear, clearly Kevin is going to say like, hey, about the open relationship, I'd like to keep that going. And instead, Fang's interrupt is like, yeah, I know that you want to be monogamous, so yeah, let's let's be monogamous. So it's frustrating. Wish that, that Kevin had just gotten out what he wanted to say. Also, a little bit confusing, and we get more of this later, but like, why why does Kevin not want to be monogamous? When did this change? When did this happen? I mean, I think that it could easily be kind of like a cold feet type situation where everything is becoming really real with um, the baby, which by the way, I was right. I'm a genius. You were. I am the most incredible mind of all time. Um, And like also like the concept of getting married, like I feel like everything is getting really serious really fast, like in a short period of time. And I think it's only natural to kind of be afraid of that and kind of cling to what you have done in the past for comfort, Um, even if it's not necessarily what he wants. Like, Kevin might want to be monogamous and get married and have this baby, but might just be scared of it. Or he might be realizing that he doesn't want this anymore, and both are, like, equally valid. Yeah, they are. I I would say, like, I got the vibe from the episode that in the beginning of... He says at one point that we've been together for eight years, the last three we've had an open relationship. And I got the feeling that for the most part, until very recently, the open relationship was more on Fang's side, and that Kevin only maybe recently started uh, exploring other options. I think the hard part here is that, like, that's well, not like, really we don't what know op- that for sure, though. We don't, we thing. don't, but I'm, I'm taking that context based on his conversation with Betty, which we'll get to in a second here. But before we get there, uh, we have a scene in the teacher's lounge where, like you said, they announce that Tony's baby is Kevin and Fangs's, which, uh, like, you saw coming. But at the I point, predicted it preseason, you baby. did, which was great. At the point where they say it in the episode, though, I don't know how it could have been a surprise to anybody at that point. Like, they've already alluded to some big announcement they're all making. So yeah, no, they they made it very clear. But thankfully, I didn't need their heavy handed approach. I just yeah. knew. Cheryl is going to confront Tony about this. And Tony is like, yeah, I wanted to tell 
value, but I didn't think we had that kind of friendship anymore. Which, if you remember from the timeline of the first Time Jump episode, Tony, prior to being pregnant, comes back to Riverdale after college, approaches Cheryl and says, Cheryl, we can be together now. Like, my my, uh, relatives are chill with you. We can get back together. And Cheryl says no. Then she approaches her again. Now she is pregnant. And she's like, Cheryl, come on. Let's be friends. Like, come down from your mountain. And Cheryl says no again. So yeah, Cheryl is giving Tony no reason to feel like she could talk to her or explain this or anything. Yeah, and this, okay, this this Cheryl-Tony situation is, I think, the thing that made me the most mad in this whole episode. Um, And it's not tied only to them, but it's this concept that as, like, a 25-year-old, you're still obsessed with whoever you were hooking up with in high school or whoever you wanted to hook up with in high school, and that it's, like, such a burning fire that you would want to go back to. I feel like most people, especially if they had a traumatic high school experience, would want to leave that experience and not face it again. It's weird to me that all of these people are so tied up in what they were doing seven years ago and we didn't, we don't really have an explanation of why. It's just really bizarre to me. I think on the point where they've come back to Riverdale, it seems more natural. Like maybe, you know, like you look at, you look at Veronica, you look at Betty, they, you look at even Jughead, they technically dated other people, moved, you know, or at least hooked up with other people or maybe even got married to them. They did other things, but now that they're all back in the same place, that's bringing up more old feelings. As someone who went to a high school that like a very large number of people remained with their high school significant other or post-college got together with people from high school, like I I, I understand it. Just like if you have, if that pool is, is calling, you know, people from your hometown who went to your high school are probably very similar to you in a socioeconomic standpoint and probably lots of other demographics. And so I think that that is a reason people People gravitate toward that area, but it's very hit or miss on what your hometown was uh, and who the people were there. So I get it, but it is like a very unhealthy relationship between Tony and Cheryl here, for sure. Now, what do you think about Tony's reasoning in the show behind why she's having kids, which is some medical condition? I mean, I don't think they need to give an excuse. Like, literally, it could just be so much that she decided that she wants to be a mom and the opportunity arose. I think it's a little weird to kind of pin motherhood to some sort of timeline. It's kind of backwards thinking. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a biological clock and obviously like some people, you know, there are probably fewer complications most people would have if they have children younger. That like checks out. But I don't like the way they handled it of Cheryl being so mad until Tony says, hey, I have to have kids now because I want to be a mom and if I'm going to be a mom based on this medical condition, I need to have them sooner rather later. And then Cheryl's like, oh, well, that's totally fine then. It's like, what? but it it also should have been totally fine that she was an adult and just wanted to have a kid. Like that should have also just been totally fine. It's, I think, it's just like a really subtle way of kind of taking away Tony's agency in her decisions and being like, oh yeah, well, she's a woman who just wants to be a mom and she has to do it now or she'll never be able to. And it's like, there, even if someone has like a medical condition where they can't, necessarily conceive easily. There are other options too. Like if she wasn't ready to be a mom, she could wait, she could get like freeze her eggs or she could um, decide that she'll adopt when the time is right. Like there are other options for her to have a family. And so this kind of makes it seem like the only like quote unquote right way to have a family is to have like your own biological child and you have to do it 
like as soon as you can. And I, I just think it ta- it takes away like Tony's decision a little bit and makes it less proactive. And I, I, I didn't like that. Definitely. And then the way that Cheryl handles this of saying Tony has an instant family, I'm withering away at Thornhill. And yeah, Tony's she, like, you, that's self-imposed. There. Yeah, yeah, she like, literally was like, I have to stay here because I'm cursed. Well, maybe the curse is your own self, Cheryl, that you've put onto yourself. Yep, there's that. And then this is jumping ahead a little, but Cheryl's solution is going to be to like say, oh, it's not possible for us to have a friendship anymore. So instead, I'm going to kind of come up with some weird convoluted plan to like get everybody mad at each other and then trick you into wanting to be with me again. It just like doesn't, it does not fly. Yeah, that at least like I can buy that Cheryl would do something completely off the wall because that's all she's ever done in this entire show. But it's just like, but Tony is over here being like, Cheryl, snap out of it. We are normal people. Get out of Thornhill. Act like a normal person. You need to stop being so selfish. Stop being so weird. Like be friends, communicate with people normally. And I just once want to see Cheryl like listen to that, internalize it and understand it. Even if she doesn't then like do that thing, I need her to at least recognize. But instead she leaves and starts complaining to the painter woman or the the art, I don't Minerva. know, appraiser person. Yeah, Minerva Marble. And she's like, uh, Tony is tearing out my heart and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, she's literally not. She's literally doing the opposite. Like, Cheryl needs to be the main character in everything. Like, that's just her personality trait. That's why she always, you know, differentiates herself from people by, like, wearing red and making things all about her. Like, that's what she's always done. But when someone is, like, 17 on a show, I can kind of understand why they're, like, creating all these wild plots to make things happen. It's like, Cheryl, you're an adult now and Tony is telling you to your face, it could still happen for you and if you feel have feelings for her, you could just make it work. And so for her to be like, no, it's over, but then also do a plan to then make it work, just take Tony at her word. Learn how to take a yes. Yeah, I mean, because Tony's not even saying like, no, we can't do this. She's saying we can, but in a, you know, in a nor- normal way. Yeah. And Cheryl's like, no, we can't do it in a normal way. Let's make it weird. And... <laughs> <laughs> this uh this made more sense like it, I feel like there were times in high school where Cheryl would mess up Tony would call her out on it and Cheryl would eventually come around and be like yeah you were right but now it's just not happening it's frustrating so okay uh Kevin's gonna have a conversation with Betty and he's like oh I thought the first baby would be yours and Jughead's or Archie and Veronica's and she's like hot no, no and, then- and like why would you think that Kevin it has been seven years you've been dating fangs and they have all been I think apart he meant, like That's when the they most... were in high school like yeah. when they were in high school he no that. i don't care it's stupid it's the stupidest thing i was like are you kidding me stop trying to bring back these weird high school dynamics move on all of these people need to just move on with their lives move yeah. on betty is gonna tell kevin about her and archie hooking up and she's like oh i don't want to get in too deep with him because he's the lit window in the darkness blah 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 and what the hell is that friggin' metaphor? Because he literally is a window next door to her bedroom. It's stupid. It's so stupid. Which, by the way, he shouldn't be in, because I'm pretty sure he moved into his parents' room, but okay. (laughs) I didn't even catch that. Like, shouldn't be in his bedroom anymore. Uh, So Cheryl is going to gather everyone at the White Worm, and she's going to be like, hey, we're going to have a party to celebrate Tony. So we're going to have a key party. She's like, I have an announcement to make everybody. You know, we are back here in the place of our youths. And remember all of my spin the bottle parties in high school, which I think happened 
maybe two times. We're going to recapture that feeling of our youth and just give in to all of the urges we've ever had. And in that scene, you see Reggie like checking out Tony. So obviously, like he's got a little crush. Okay. Now, I feel like this goes without being said, and probably most people listening to this like get this, but very consenting adults who are either single or in relationships... The point of a key party is not like, if you have couples involved, whether they be married or dating or whatever, it's not about like, oh, you need to just consent with the person whose key you pull. You also need to consent with your current partner on like, and I guess agreeing to go to the key party is like one thing. Yeah, but, but I like, think that like the concept of consent is that it has to be like, it's, you can withdraw that consent at any no, time. No, no, you can, you can. And, and, and that's also like in Fangs and Kevin's relationship. Like, having an open relationship is fine if both people are on the same page about the open yeah. relationship. I think... The, I just don't love it when a show is like... an Like, an open relationship, for the most part, is not about, like, oh, I'm with someone, but I'm gonna keep my options open in case someone better comes around. Like, it's more about, like, here's the person I'm emotionally and, like, throughout my day life tied to, but then I'm also allowed to literally have... I mean, it, it could be sexual relations, it could be emotional relations, it could be whatever else with someone else, but, like, you still have, like, a partner. There's no one way to do an open relationship. Right. The only consistent needs to be communication. Like, you and your partner need to be aware of what's going on, and you need to know, like, okay, is the limit that we tell each other about other hookups we have? Is it that we, like, schedule specific times when hookups are okay? Is Which it, is like, not, clearly not happening in this relationship. Like They're they, not They don't have the communication, and I think that's the biggest problem, because because Fangs obviously thinks like, yeah, we're open when I'm not here, but when we're here, we're locked in. And Kevin's like, well, we're open, so that means we're open, and I can yeah. go have a little fun whenever I want. I think with all these dead bodies on the lonely highway, I would be a little hesitant to be going cruising because I would be afraid. But I guess Kevin is fearless. I, yeah, I think what bothers me here is like shows using a, I guess, something that's uh, different than just your standard like monogamous relationship as some kind of... They, they never display it right. Like, wouldn't it be great to have, like, a show where where the plot with Kevin Fangs is, look, they had a very, you know, well-communicated, open relationship, and then maybe they continue to keep that up, or they choose to go monogamous because the child's being born, or whatever. Good for them. Like, that would be nice. But it, it's like the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing, right? It's like, instead of just saying, here's a BDSM relationship, they're like, we're gonna say that there's one, and we're also gonna do a really bad inaccurate, unhealthy version of one. Like, like an can abusive you just give me, one. Right. Like, can you give me, like, a good one? Like, one that actually made sense? Like, can you... I, I just don't like that the representation is always, like, a negative, not well, real version. Yeah, but this goes back to so many things we've seen in Riverdale. Like, right. Riverdale is a town where there have been so many murders, so many crimes. Everything has been off the walls, like, fever dream every week, right? But then it's also, like, this weirdly puritanical town where like the concept of an abortion is like seen as like oh my god that's the worst thing that could ever happen but it's like literally someone got murdered like yeah. why why is that where you draw the line and so I think that the sh like the people writing the show just can't seem to help but put like that kind of lens on 
every single thing. So they're like, in reality, an open relationship, as long as both parties are consenting and they're happy and they're doing what they want, that's fine. Like, there's no one way to be in a relationship. But because of this, like, lens of, like, very moralistic for no reason, it's it, it makes it seem like, oh, well, that open relationship is just a bad idea and it's doomed to fail. Right. Like, like let's be clear. The open relationship is not what is is the conflict with Kevin and Fangs. It's the fact that they're not communicating It's communication about it. issues. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, though, is I do think this might be our fault because I'm assuming that everyone who writes and produces the show listens to our podcast and they got really sick of Kevin and Fangs being the most normal person. So they said, let's make them not super normal this week. Ah, uh, so frustrating. Although I guess this is like a kind of normal-ish pro. I don't know. I'm not like an open relationship person. So I, eh. I, I've only known a few people who are in like actual open relationships and based on their explanations, it seems like they had better communication at least. But I mean, that's like relationships are hard just because you're in an open relationship doesn't mean it's going to somehow like you're, you're still going to have the same struggles that people who are in monogamous relationship have, you know, communication, emotion, emotional attachments, cold feet, that kind of thing. That happens everywhere. Just would be nice to address it, but whatever. So Kevin's going to ask Fangs to bring one of his hot trucker friends to Cheryl's key party to spice things up. Uh, Fangs is like, why? We just closed our relationship yesterday. And Kevin's like, we should get all our horn dog impulses out once and for all before the child arrives. Now, here's the stance, and you may differ with me on this, because I have certain, I feel like, uh, thoughts that might be more, I don't know. My thought is, Yes, lots of people have lots of different family structures and can make lots of different things work. But I do feel like, Kevin and Fangs, you have made the decision to bring a child into this world. And you have, you have uh, you know, decided to get engaged, whatever, that's, like, le- less important. But you've you made a decision to have a child go in the world, come in this world. That is not something you can take back at this point. So you need to make that your priority. And yes, it'd be great if y'all could figure out your issues with each other and communicate that. But this is not something that you can have cold feet on at this point. So you need to be not concentrating on getting your horn dog impulses out. You need to be concentrating on the fact that Tony is going to have a child very soon. And at least one of you, if not both of you, need to be there to support her and the child. It's yeah. And I think that this is like so stereotypical to have like the men getting so afraid when a big commitment is on the horizon. Like for media, it's it's really not a unique idea to have. But you're completely right. Like bringing the child in, that has to be their main priority and whether they are figuring out a co-parenting situation or their relationship or whatever, they need to find a way to create a good environment for the baby to grow up because they've decided that they want to have a child in the Riverdale. So they got to figure it out because you're right. They can't take that back. Right. I guess like some people might watch this and say like, oh, well, it's fine that they haven't figured things out. Like the, the child can just deal with whatever scenario they come up with, which yes, lots of different scenarios can work, but you're probably priority here should be the child uh, over getting getting your horn dog impulses out is I guess what I'm going yeah, with. Yeah, I I just think it's the thing where this show has always prioritized everybody's horn dog urges uh rather than anything of substance. It's just like when like you have the relationships in high school but it's like okay, all we ever see are these couples having sex and never them being in a relationship. It's they always focus on the sex. I think it might be a CW thing. And and I don't think that the show would have brought a child into this if to, if if Vanessa Morgan wasn't actually pregnant in real life like I don't think that that was the direction they were going to go with Kevin and Fangs initially but um 
it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, once they actually have Tony in the show have a child. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I have some thoughts. We'll get to the predictions later. So they go to the key party, and this is something completely not related to River- Riverdale, but I wrote this down because I was wa- I always watch with subtitles on Netflix. And I've been saying for year, like, when you say the word casual as a shortened version for cash, like, how is that spelled? And then I, like, got really excited when I saw that they spelled cash C-A-Z-H, which would not have been what I did, but, like, I guess I cash. I I don't think I shorten casual to cash. Oh, I do all the time. Like, uh... Do you? I've never seen you say this before. I feel like I've, I've said this somewhere on some podcast talking about, like, how do you spell cash? Yeah, you know, like... Like a, like a dress, dress cash. We're cash. I'm more cash. I feel like I say it. Anyway. I feel like you're not a cash person. What? Are you, what do you think I am? I think you're high maintenance, baby. <gasps> I am not high maintenance. <laughs> I pride myself in being very low maintenance. I have, I have um certain like obsessive hygienic tendencies that are very particular, but like I am not high maintenance when it comes to... Like, like I, I let, I let little thing water off a duck's back or whatever. I, I think you're high maintenance. <gasps> I am so offended. You don't know me well enough I at mean, all. I also, like, I'm a high maintenance person myself. I'm not saying it as like an insult. I'm like, I'm you may, you may or may not have noticed this over the years, but I'm like kind of dramatic. Like, I'm not dramatic. I didn't say you're dramatic. I said well, I'm dramatic. Yeah, I mean, but you, I think I mean, you, you are, are a little dramatic. <gasps> I am. Oh my gosh, it's all for show. That's the definition of dramatic (laughs) (laughs) all right whatever what's wrong with you (laughs) i just disagree i think that i I I am offended i mean well what do you how do you see you see yourself as just like chill nothing yeah like like if something yeah if like mary you get the most mad about things of anyone i've ever met (gasps) i so disagree like no i feel like i feel like in the i think we're conflating internet personality versus real personality Look, I have had my car towed <laughs> multiple times in the last couple years. And like, for me, it's like, oh, bummer. I got to go pick up my car. Like, I don't get mad. I don't get actual mad about things. I get mad. I get like indignant and mad about like TV shows, but I don't get like actual mad about real stuff. Like, oh, and you know, whatever. I get like annoyed with my sister, but a lot of times I play it up as a joke. It's not like, uh, it's not real. Like, I'm not really going to get mad <laughs> if something happens. But I'm also very high functioning in like control areas. Like, I know that, like, I know my well enough to know like uh you know if, if this thing happens then i'm gonna be unhappy so i can just like sort of prepare ahead of time All right, i just i'm sorry i feel like i like offended you um, you did i'm gonna get this is the most mad i've been about something i i mean this is just the way you present yourself to the world well, i don't like it I, i'm just as one sagittarius speaking to another i understand you i see you i get you okay i connect with you <laughs> i'm never gonna forgive you for this oh my god yes you will (laughs) stop (laughs) anyways so when they get to this key party kevin and is going to talk with betty and i think this is the most confusing conversation of the evening for me maybe it will be brought more to light in a following episode but like based on the rest of the episode you get the idea that kevin a lot of his cold feet have to do with the fact that he wants to keep cruising and that he doesn't want to be tied down yet whereas this conversation he says stuff like oh Oh, I maybe I told Fangs to bring the guy 
guy because I'm an emotional masochist or I want to see who he's been sleeping with or I want to, you know, see why I wasn't enough. Like, that's that's what he says to Betty, which it, it seems like why would he be lying to Betty? Like, why, why well, lie to Betty? It's almost like I think that where Kevin is coming from is he wants to have his cake and eat it, too. Like, he wants all of Fangs, but he doesn't want to give all of himself to Fangs is kind of the vibe I got. Maybe that's true. Yeah, I don't know. So everybody, everybody's a huge mess at this party, especially Jughead. He is just hitting the booze. Chad talks with Archie and he does the thing where he's like, I think he's kind of baiting Archie here. I think that's like what he's doing. He comes up and, and you know, says to Archie like, oh, look how hot all the females are in Riverdale, which like also true. Why is Riverdale a town with only hot people? But, hmm. I wonder hmm. why Riverdale is a town with only hot people. Yeah. Must be the aliens. Must be the aliens. Uh, I love that Archie just like walks away. He doesn't like try to get mad at Chad or anything. He just like, he's like, I'm not going to be baited and walks away. Fangs brings Rick, who is the same guy that Kevin hooked up with earlier. Rick looking pretty good. Not going to, not going to lie. Rick was they, fine. They, uh, mm, you know what? Never mind. I don't, that doesn't need to be said. Okay. I, I've thought better of it. Sounds good. <laughs> Cheryl and Minerva are scheming. Yeah, They're which like, this Cheryl Minerva thing is so friggin' weird to me. And also, like, the through line is Cheryl painting this weird painting of Minerva. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I have no clue what's going like, on here. It's obvious. Like, if this art appraiser is sitting here being like, oh, Cheryl's so talented. Like, I feel like there's a possibility that Cheryl could just become a painter and make a lot of money without having to do all her schemes. If, if you are good enough where you can paint nearly undistinguishable replicas of, like, masterful artwork, why not just become an artist? And I know it's, like, not that easy. Like, a lot of art yeah, but is she way more subjective. Money. She, she comes from money. She comes from money. And she has an art appraiser on her side. So, sounds like she's pretty set up for success here. Whatever. Um, But I guess you're led to believe through this episode that Minerva also, like, is attracted to Cheryl. And that's more why she stuck around and didn't immediately chuck her to I prison. I don't know. That painting was pretty cute. It, yeah, it was also good. So, th- this game, the I don't know why they're like, oh, it's time for the game. Like, yeah, it's a key party. We knew this was going to happen. It makes no sense because they all, and they do several close-ups of this, they all have, like, extremely recognizable keychains. Like, these people who are friends would know, oh, gee, I wonder whose keychain is the one that says Pops on it. Oh, I wonder who's the one that has, you know, a big thing of the, the Riverdale R with the, you know, like, the bulldogs or whatever. I, wonder I just who that thought, is. I just thought it was really funny. Um, And the only thing in this scene that I really liked was when Reggie was clearly yep. trying to get Tony's key, and then Grab it was the fangs. serpent ones, and it was fangs. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, But for the most part, they should know whose keys are whose. Because, and it's not like close your eyes, reach in. It's like they're all just looking through, picking out keys. So Cheryl explains the rules. No redrawing of keys, consensual, etc. Veronica draws Archie. Bell- Betty look uh, looks a little bit put out. Chad's like, no. Archie tells him to get her hands off, get his hands off her. And then I love Veronica saying, like, I'm not going to be a passive woman being fought over by two Tarzans. She grabs Chad's keys and they just leave. <laughs> I-, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I like it because we do get earlier in the episode the phone call from Katie Keene that Chad was like seen with another woman to obviously so that Katie would see him so he could make Veronica jealous and then Veronica decides to make him jealous right back and then this is the logical conclusion where they're both just pissed um and Chad's like not with your ex like trying to make it seem like he'd be totally chill with her hooking up with someone else there who's not her ex I don't think that's the case I think that he was never really on board yeah 
I think they were playing a game of chicken. Yeah, this is dumb. A very drunk drug head grabs Tabitha's keys and she takes him out as well. Uh, Eric, who, firefighter Eric or army Eric or whatever, I don't know. He shows up and he takes Minerva's key. Actually, they they might have worked out. I'm not really sure. We don't know enough. I think they hooked up. She goes, how good are you at taking orders? And he's like, no one better, ma'am. And then they go off. So I think they 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 had like a fun night, I feel like. I'm sure they did, which we'll never hear about ever again because we don't care about these two characters but okay um, you don't care about them oh come on i mean the show the show doesn't care about them is what i'm saying we didn't get any kind of resolution from that reggie's gonna grab fangs key <laughs> reggie kisses him and says no promises but we'll see what happens it's pretty funny it's a cute it's a cute moment they clearly just made it so that they could put it in the trailer but a little transparent there but it was it was good fangs is like hey are you okay with this and kevin's like we gotta play it out or whatever uh kevin's gonna pick rick's key and then Betty picks Archie's. Oh, look, Tony and Cheryl are last. Well, yeah, and like Cheryl very obviously just had Tony's keys out of the bowl and like put them back in at the end to make sure no one else could pick her keys. Like to me, it's just so obvious. Very much. So Cheryl gives Tony a super creepy nursery as a present. Like it is the creepiest nursery. It's a Thornhill nursery. There is a painting on the wall of like a a doll looking kind of woman or like a ballerina. She's got four legs. I did not clock that, but yeah, it's creepy. So creepy. She's like, I I planned the party to show how fragile some unions can be. And Tony, very reasonably, is like, I am not bringing my child into this hell house. You trapped me in Thistle House with your two dead brothers. We're not doing that again. I Like, I'm trying to get you out of here, not come back. This is ridiculous. And she says they're done trying to have a normal friendship. And she leaves because Tony is a reasonable, normal person. Yeah, like, Cheryl, they, they don't know what to do with Cheryl. They really don't. I mean, like, Cheryl has great aesthetic and costumes and uh, settings that she's in and they've created such a caricature out of her but it's like really hard. I'm tired of seeing the Cheryl be absolutely bonkers like this and then like an episode later be like oh I'm sorry Tony that wasn't me. Like no this is you. This is you. You can't have it both ways. It either you either need a big change where this is no longer you and you move out of Thornhill or this is you. Like it's one or the other. Yeah it's like anytime somebody like a public figure does something truly messed up and then they release a notes app apology that's like, that's not who I am anymore. And it's like, you did this two hours ago. Like, this is exactly who you are and nothing has changed. Yes. Cheryl's probably all over those notes app apologies. So Kevin and Rick are going to talk and Rick says that he's rooting for the two of them as a couple and Kevin asks if Fangs ever mentioned him and Rick says no, but it would have been awkward given the context. So Kevin's going to come home and talk to Fangs. Apparently Reggie's 100% straight. I think we all saw that coming. Yeah, I I thought it was very weird when Reggie kissed Fangs. Like, I was like, this is, why are you doing like this? Like I said, it's for the, it was literally for the trailer. Like, I think that that was the only reason they felt the need to put that in there. Yeah. Kevin says nothing happened with him and Rick. I really thought this was the opportunity for Kevin to say, like, nothing happened with me and Rick tonight, but it has in the past, and he just didn't. And then well, he says- that would have been the right thing to do, but he didn't, of course. Yeah. Instead, he says that he's not ready to get married, and Fangs is like, it's okay. He Fangs is, is great this episode, I gotta say. Fangs is like, it's okay if you want to keep cruising the woods, like, we can make this work. And Kevin is like, it's not about me cruising the woods, it's 
it's where I'm at in life. And Fangs is like, um, excuse me, it was your idea to get married and have a baby. Like, you can't go back on this. And Kevin just says, I know it's super messed up and he leaves. I don't like that we're getting no explanation from Kevin. Like, even, like, either him talking to Betty, talking to himself, like, talking to Fangs, we're getting nothing. I, I have no clue what's going on in Kevin's head right here. And I'm not saying that, like, his thoughts are completely unreasonable. I'm sure that this is a natural human instinct uh, to feel this way, but, like, communicate it. Goodness, you've been with this guy for eight years. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, too, where it's like, I could completely understand if there's a relationship with really poor communication. That happens every single day. But the fact that they've been together so long, they've made it work, they've, like, changed things up, opened it up, closed it, whatever, you would think that there would be just a baseline communication, but it's not there. And that's what's, like, completely unrealistic to me. And and we've set up Kevin, like, yes, we've had a couple episodes in the past of him talking about how he was cruising in the woods, but it was never presented as I'm cruising in the woods because I just like dating lots of people and be in, you know, exploring things. He, it, it was always set up to be I'm cruising in the woods because there's no other way to meet gay men. But mm-hmm. he's met a gay man who he likes and he's been with for years. So I'm not sure why we're all of a sudden changing Kevin's personality from being a pretty like normal character like we've given him many, many times. He's always been like a voice of reason. And again, not to say like this is unreasonable, but it just doesn't vibe with his character unless there's some bigger picture or something else that we don't know about. But like I it it gels with Kevin's character for him to say, I've been dating this guy for eight years. Let's get engaged. Let's have a child. That fits with his character. It doesn't fit with his character to then immediately be like, what's going on? Everything in my life is completely out of control. I have no clue what's going on. Like you you made these decisions. I don't know. It's frustrating. And then um, Minerva's gonna kiss Cheryl and say she's gorgeous. And and that's that's that. And that is that. Now, predictions here, I think we'll have, have one or two episodes of Kevin being like, I don't know what's going on. Everything's so hard. And then he'll have a conversation with Fangs and be like, I was just not sure what I wanted. But now I know it's you and Tony and the baby. Yeah, I think so. I think we're just gonna circle right back to this. Okay, shall we talk about X-Files? I think we should absolutely talk about the X-Files. So obviously where we left off last time was where um, Jughead had the missing time, the lights flashed, and the specimen of the weird skeleton was gone. So they've called up Dr. Whitley, who was that alien expert that Jughead had looked up, to talk about it. And they're like, listen, the specimen is gone. And you could tell she's like pretty annoyed by that. Yeah, I'm really, well, first off, I'm annoyed with the fact that they all have smartphones and yet they never took a picture of the specimen or anything. Uh, They also probably should have canceled on her or at least called her ahead of time to be like, hey, just so you know, the specimen's no longer here. Like, if you want to come talk, that'd still be nice, but give her a heads up. Yeah, take a picture. That's like, I didn't even think about that, but you are 100% right. The fact that they did not take a picture is, it's too much. Or, I mean, like, we could have at least had them take a picture and then part of Jughead's light flash thing was that the picture got deleted off his phone. Like, like that would have been fine. Do that. Yeah, they could have at the very least done that. So she says, in a lot of cases where someone claims to have had an alien encounter, they are really just suppressing something traumatic. Have you experienced anything traumatic? And it's very clear that Jughead has, but he says he doesn't need a support group. Uh, she gives him his, her card anyway. Yeah, because uh, he's strong and he doesn't need help. They also do something, which I... Shows are always making things like just a little too on the nose, um, particularly with high school English classes as well, huh. um, because the next thing we get is Jughead is now teaching his class Slaughterhouse-Five, which have you ever read Slaughterhouse-Five? I haven't, but I, but I know 
the plot, yeah. I've read, like, half of it, and it's good. I just, like, dropped off. And I should go back and finish that. It's it's one of my favorite lines in EZA when she's like, isn't it always the case where what yeah. you're reading in high school really depicts whatever's happening in your life? Like, yep. Literally. Also, EZA, phenomenal movie. Love EZA. So, basically, Jughead is talking about how the ca- like, there's a couple of possibilities for the main character in Slaughterhouse-Five, one of which could be that they've ach- achieved true sight, which is why they're able to be, like, in multiple places in multiple times, or that the character is insane. But while he is talking about this, he sees um, a flash in the door to his classroom of the alien, and the alien's all dark, and there's, like, a bright light, and it's very spooky, and so we're obviously left to consider, is Jughead insane, or has he somehow achieved true sight? Neither. It's uh, some sort of military interference that has messed with his brain, or Hiram. Or the trash bag killer. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So Jughead decides that he does want to go to the support group. He goes there, and the woman asks if Jughead has ever blacked out. He has another flash of the alien in the support group, and then he runs out. Tabitha comes after him, and he tells Tabitha about a time that he blacked out in New York City. He was doing drugs, jingle jangle, and some harder stuff. Don't know what that is. I'm assuming coke. Probably. He says that he did some things that he he does he's done a lot of things he doesn't remember and he's lost a lot of time. I'm going to assume that this is not like a couple hours, but like days, weeks, or huge swaths of time that he like did stuff and doesn't remember. I think so too. I actually would like to go back to the harder stuff, the drugs. Do you think maybe he did jingle jangle and fizzle rocks and those are the the harder the only hard drugs in the Riverdale universe? Like do you think meth exists in I don't Riverdale? Think so. I think when they say harder stuff, what they're implying is, like, some real drugs. Like, non-Riverdale made-up ones. Like, they've made up Fizzle Rocks and Jingle Jangle to be the softer drugs or whatever. No, because they're more intense than, um, weed. Well, sure, right. They're they're more than just just weed. Just the weed that the, the serpents were... Well, yeah, because the serpents are a good gang. All they do is sell weed, okay? Right, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's just, just weed. I'm assuming that he's probably lost, like, days at a time. I don't think, like, weeks. Unless he's go- he was going on, like, full benders, which would make sense with why he owes so much money to debt collectors as if yes. he's been spending all his money on drugs. Yeah. So so then we come back to like after the key party where he's going to get taken back to presumably Tabitha's house, I, I think. Unless she brought him back to Archie's house. Unclear. I don't know. They were on a couch. Jughead asks Tabitha if she thinks he had a real close encounter and she says she doesn't know, but she thinks there's definitely something from his past he's trying to avoid dealing with. And she says he, su- he should probably talk to a therapist, which uh, could be said to literally everyone in Riverdale. They should and in the world. We yeah. should all talk to therapists. Yeah. This is what I had a really strange concept of what if Jughead is somehow the, the TBK? Is that possible? No? I don't think so, only because I think that he's so easily trackable in New York that how also, could I don't, he have I don't been... think the TBK was in New York. Exactly. Either. Exactly. Right? Um, and I don't think that Jughead would keep Betty in a pit. Probably not. But so what, what do you think it is that he has done that he doesn't remember? I mean, I think that this is just a red herring. I think that this is gonna amount to, like, nothing. Like, I don't think that they can make Jughead a real bad guy. Like, maybe his swaths of time were just, like, gambling his money away or something. Yeah, like, I I think it's gonna be something just totally irrelevant that we don't care about. But they're trying to build it up as if, like, maybe he's dangerous, maybe he does bad things. Like, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, it, it's a smokescreen to distract us. I think, 
Jughead is the character. Look, in the first four seasons of Riverdale, Jughead was one of my favorite characters. I liked a lot of his plot lines. I was really intrigued by him. I could care less about him now. And he's probably like, I have found Archie to be more interesting than Jughead. I don't care anything what's going on with Jughead. Maybe I just don't care about aliens. And I don't like the change in his character. I think that he is a really boring, lame character now. I mean, I'm with you on that, but I also don't care about what Archie is doing. I actually don't think I care about any of these characters anymore. Like all of these plot, like this show jumped the shark a long time ago. Okay. We know this to be true, but it's like, can you jump the shark again? Because now we're in just a totally different realm of like, what the hell is going on? Like this episode of TV was so bad. Like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I think the problem is like when they had the first time jump episode and they did the thing where they showed us all their lives in the different places. I was really interested in a lot of them. I I was really intrigued by what was happening with all the characters, including Jughead. And I I wanted to see more of those individual plots. And I was really excited about like them coming back to Riverdale, but keeping those plots. And instead, we've got these like dumb, like relationships intertwining nonsense with Cheryl. Like what is happening? Don't care about the aliens. I would have preferred them to to keep that a little bit more like individualist look how these same characters you've known have grown up some and instead it seems like they're like they're older but they're kind of reverting back to their same old nonsense except it's more boring yeah it's it's less interesting now that they're adults which is not how a show like this should work yeah and then Jughead is gonna have another flash of the alien behind him in the bathroom mirror later and that's it now let's get to the very short-lived Barchi plotline and I know you were liking the Archie stuff. You was. were into it. I am so glad that they're done with it. The I'm internet not is glad, mad. I'm not glad with where it's going. Um, but I just didn't care for it that much. So it starts with Archie is trying on his firefighter uniform but without a shirt because again they need a quota of shirtless men and I just I love how Betty is in like a giant FBI t-shirt and he is in his firefighter little uniform and um they have a little a little hookup after all of the stuff a couple episodes ago of like we can't find a good place to hook up because my mom and the twins are at my house and Jughead's at yours they're just now at Betty's house all the time they are are at Betty's house dressing up like, how did Archie get the firefighter uniform in there? Did he come in that costume? Like, I, I, I hope not. Can you imagine if you opened your door and it's just Archie in the firefighter, like, overalls with no shirt? Pro- I mean, it's better than Archie's dad opening the door to Veronica in a trench coat and nothing else, which also happened. I blocked back in that season two. out of my mind. How dare you remind me of that? <laughs> I cannot believe the audacity well, of you. We'll be bringing that that back on our rewatch at some point. Ugh. Yeah, the twins are making macaroni art. I feel like when I was their age, 10 or whatever, however old they are, I was probably like not making macaroni art. I don't think I ever made macaroni art in my life. I had a guy give me a macaroni art card for, I think it was Valentine's Day because I, I made a joke once about how I wanted them to, to spend to like to, that it would be cute to make me macaroni art, but I don't think I've ever made it myself. That's anyway, actually very adorable that you thought- make the joke and then they do it. I thought I thought it was really adorable too. I made a joke about like, oh well, show your love by making 
macaroni art and then they actually did and it was cute it was it was a heart it was just a heart that had our names in it but it was it was adorable anyway betty goes to the swamp and uh there's another body it's another one it's like a year old it's not polly yeah eric asks archie if he's juggling two ladies because he can tell that veronica and archie still have a little something something going on yeah veronica also like her response to um chad trying to make her jealous is that she like goes and takes a selfie with uh, eric and archie and is like flex your muscle archie like it's so yeah it's it's so weird also eric and archie already spend 100 percent more time together as friends than archie and jughead ever did no i believe that archie and eric are friends like they have a genuine friendship they have a bond they have a bond they have a history they have stuff in common that archie and jughead never did this show never tried to make us believe that archie and jughead were friends well you know what maybe they could have been friends if archie hadn't ditched jughead for that road trip the summer before sophomore year to go hook up with miss grundy Okay. I don't understand that road trip. They don't have driver's licenses. This makes no sense. Betty is going to have a nightmare that Polly comes home and tells her the TBK is there. And then the TBK slits Betty's throat. This was pretty scary. Like this and then the alien, the first alien behind Jughead, like both of them made me jump. They were, they were. I didn't jump, but I was like, huh. Yeah. Betty turns and sees that Archie's lights on his window. She texts him. He comes over. She says she doesn't want to talk about it. Just wants to forget her nightmare, which sounds healthy. Archie is going to tell Eric that he was at Betty's house all night, but it wasn't good. He thought it was going to be a booty call, but it wasn't. And this time it felt different and it didn't feel great. And he still kind of has feelings for Veronica. This is what I'm saying about like the internet is mad. The internet got really excited when Barchi started partially, I think, because like people who actually read Archie comics were probably, they were probably pretty split of either being pro-Betty or pro-Veronica and all of the pro-Betty contingent was like, yay, we're getting some Archie and Betty. This is cool. Archie trying to decide between two women. But the show has already already written itself into a corner of Archie needs to be with Veronica because we spent four seasons doing that. The time jump gave the show a perfect excuse to say it has now been more time that Archie and Veronica have been apart than they've been together. So now is the time that makes perfect sense for Archie to get with Betty. I didn't believe it as much at the end of season four when they were trying to do that because Archie was with Veronica and I mean like yeah. yes Veronica's dad trying to kill him was ridiculous but like he had been there for so long long that there was so much established and it's like why is he all of a sudden seeing Betty in a new light? This makes sense of why he's seeing Betty in a new light. Betty acts very differently around him. She's not act, she doesn't act like a high schooler who's pining over her childhood crush. She acts like an adult with Archie for the most part. I think that there's a couple moments in this episode where they sort of have a couple looks between Betty and Archie where I feel like Betty like I I think this was kind of a red herring but like when Archie grabs Veronica's key you get a look from Betty like that she's not okay with it but by the end of the episode she's kind of like it's okay that we're not gonna be hooking up anymore but I don't know I feel like if Archie had said that he wanted to actually pursue something with Betty I feel like she probably would have at least considered it yeah I well and I think that's the whole thing where it's like Betty and Archie like we liked it at when it was happening at first because it was like this is two adults hooking up and it doesn't really seem like it's that much more even though they have history it just seems comfortable but to make it something where like Betty is relying on Archie for like comfort and making it into more of a thing and Archie's like no like I was kind of happy with the casual sex 
I yeah, like I, that when the expectations didn't align, like, he put a stop to it. Yeah, and, and I think that it ended up being rather consensual there because I think Betty also very maturely realized, like, I need someone to lean on. And I think that that probably is going to work better if it's a, in a friend way, less than a lover way, which Ew, I don't like. don't say lover ever again. I'm saying she said it. I'm quoting her, okay? I don't care. Yeah, okay, whatever. But, but like, I, I agree with that. And I like that they did that and that they didn't make it seem like she was just going to be jealous or something. But I think we predicted a couple episodes ago, like, oh, this this hooking up between Betty and Archie is going to eventually, they're going to develop feelings and that's how we'll segue into a relationship. But instead, they developed feelings-ish and so they quickly got out of it, which is less intriguing because it's only been eight episodes. It's only been eight and it's only been five episodes since the time jump. They really did not, didn't go anywhere with this. So the internet's mad. I could care less. I think the thing is, though, like, what makes, what would be more interesting for me would have been if the reason that the Abarchi stuff didn't work was because of something to do with Betty and Jughead, I think it's way less interesting that the Abarchi stuff doesn't work because Archie just wants to get back with Veronica. Yeah, it's uh, ultimately, it's a lot of nothing. I don't, uh, I don't care for it. So we skip through Barchi fast, yeah. Yeah, but like, because guess what? It's boring. If they want us to spend time on it, then they can make it interesting. Like, they didn't even give us anything to get mad about. It's just like, yeah, okay, that happened. Yeah, it's over. We do get the, the Polly situation, which is, like, I think, a little bit more interesting. Yeah, Polly's going to call Alice and say she's alive, but we don't hear this. So yeah. we think, so Betty at least thinks that it's probably unlikely that it was really Polly. It was probably a prank phone call or Alice just imagined it. But then is when we're going to have, at the end of the episode, Betty is going to answer the phone, hear Polly. Polly saying, I'm at a payphone uh, in the middle of nowhere on the side of the highway. She says, hurry, they're coming. They go to the payphone and find that the payphone is destroyed with blood all over it. Thoughts? Yeah. And so, okay. So my theory on this is I think the fact that Polly is very likely not dead means that maybe she's more complicit in all of this mystery than what we thought. Like, I don't think she's like a victim. Really? Because I think if she were a victim, she would be dead. I think that she is more complicit and I think that it could be related to the stuff with like the half-brother, Charles. So remember when there was like the situation with like we Betty's like going into a fugue state and there's like phone calls with Polly and it's like a lot of weird stuff happening that never really got explained like Polly calling her from the hospital I think it's related to that which I guess goes back to the farm I think that like something has been activated in Polly I don't I don't think we're doing farm again I don't know if it's the I don't think it's the farm itself but I think this could be like the last remnant of the farm plot line is that something has now been activated in Polly because if they can, like, set up stuff to activate Betty, they could set stuff up to activate Polly, too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, look, there's blood. What do you think the blood is? I don't it's think it's Polly's. hers. I think that they, they're toying with Betty. Uh, see, I, yes and no. I think that Polly might might be working on the side of whoever the bad is here, whether it be of her own accord or because they're forcing her to. I think that's definitely possible. I think somebody is toying with Betty, whether it be somebody who knows that she's dealt with the TBK, 
say and is trying to make her think that this is a TBK situation. I still think Glenn is a culprit and I think yeah, Polly Glenn is, is bad. Yeah, and I think I think Polly is not dead, but I don't think that this is going to be farm related at all. Like I don't I I just want to be very clear. I don't think it's like, oh, this is the farm coming back. I think it's like the last remaining remnant of that that is like going to haunt us until the day we die because we can't have nice things. We'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely circle back to that. I don't know. We'll come back to that. Uh, all right. So then we got some Veronica stuff going on. Her plot, not interesting. I Yeah, truly, I, uh, I don't care about this. Um, I did know. So Veronica's going to open her computer and have a chat from Chad that says, Good morning, sweetie. How did you sleep? I don't appreciate the fact that there's a comma. No one no one messages with correct punctuation like that. Good morning, comma, sweetie. I don't, I don't, I disagree. I just, my favorite thing is that Veronica sees this message which is so like benign and is like ugh not now Chad as if he's like sent her something horrible when he's literally just like yeah morning sweetie how'd you sleep yeah I I did take a note of all the folders and document names on her desktop oh my god fabric swatches photos supplies Pembroke Reno inspiration Riverdale jewelry I'm sorry did you say Pembroke Reno that's what it says like renovation Reno sorry whatever (laughs) documents it says notes calendar I don't know why that would be a document Applications, invoice 223, invoice 28383, invoice 448682. I think that the calendar would be a document if it's like she's created her own calendar rather than using like an actual app calendar. Well, that's dumb. Like we have to make calendars at work to track like very specific things. And I just make one in Excel and distribute it to all my coworkers. So it's not efficient. It's well, it's the whole process is not efficient, but yes, we don't have like, I guess, I guess it could be done in Outlook, but that would be more time consuming than just making a thing. So in the time of COVID, where having a show with more actors is probably more difficult than fewer actors. Why is Smithers here? Why do we need a scene of Smithers? We don't. Um, I don't. Brings nothing to the table. She tells him, hey, it's time to start the renovation. And he says, oh, you want me to find you some contractors? And she's like, no, I got one. Don't, we didn't need this. I think we're just supposed to know Smithers still alive for some reason. Uh, there was one moment I did like here where um, she's going to talk with Archie in the teacher's lounge and he and Archie's like, great, I'll get Eric to help us with this renovation. Isn't Eric the fire chief now? Like, you can't have that many jobs. How, why does everybody have so many jobs? Well, because there's Stop. not so many adults anymore to give the jobs to. And she's like, my timeline is yesterday. I want it done yesterday. She needs changes in her life. Big changes. Then Betty and Jughead show up behind them. They're like, oh, what are you doing? And they're both just like, hey, hey. And it was a, I like that. I like that moment. It's, yeah, ugh, I don't care. Um, So then this is where we get that Katie Keene phone call where yeah. Chad came into the Lacey's Cafe with the heiress to the Spiffany's fortune. Yep. Spiffany's, which we have definitely already heard Spiffany's up to this point. We just may not have it documented because I think it happens in season two. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, well, I'm going to fight fire with fire if he's trying to make me jealous. This I is love, a dumb plan. I love having Mary's notes because uh, the, it's she thinks she's trying to make her jealous and wants to fight fire with fire. And then there's a bullet point, an official bullet point <laughs> of Mary's thought that says, this is a dumbass plan, <laughs> which is true. You're 100% right. It was dumb. So stupid. Yeah. I just like... you. You're supposed to be married to this person. Like, so many of the relationships in this show just have issues because of communication. Like, Fangs and Kevin don't communicate. Cheryl and Tony, like, Cheryl cannot communicate. Tony is communicating, but Cheryl's not receiving it. Ar- Archie and Betty is boring because they do communicate, and then it's just over. And then this is just another example of, like, for what? For what? Like, for what? 
Yeah, I, I don't. Nope. No. Archie and Veronica are gonna spread some plaster, and uh, she asks about how Eric lost his leg. They're just having a conversation. And then she's like, oh, Chad's coming to the key party, and he says, what happens if we get our keys? They basically are pretty open about, like, the fact that they're both feeling feeling some feels for each other, but the timing's not right. Uh, Veronica is, is this is now after the party. Veronica and Chad are gonna talk, and she's like, this party confirms something I've been feeling for a long time and then she goes to the fire department and she's like we're getting a divorce and then they make out yeah it's it's over i will say i'm happy that she didn't cheat on her husband that they do uh, establish that they're getting a divorce he she says he's on his way back to nyc for good i completely do not think chad's out of the picture i think he's going to become another minion for hiram in the show yeah i we're not we have not seen the last of him unfortunately but hey maybe he'll die that could be a good thing if chad died. i don't think that's happening i gotta say i don't know why but in all of our talk after we found out that she was married like both of us were like he's gotta die or something neither of us thought they would just get a divorce but like seemed pretty straightforward they just i think so i think he agrees to the divorce and then i think he's gonna talk to hiram and then hiram's gonna be like no you can't give up on veronica and then he's gonna like try to win her back in like deeply troubling ways there's gonna be something something about oh we found out you're doing something illegal with the jewelry stores and uh, because of a prenup you're not gonna have any money from chad and you're gonna be poor and have no money if we because we're gonna sell you out to the law and tell them that you did something illegal. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some reason why they're going to try to basically blackmail her into staying with him or something. Ugh. We'll see. You're, so, the thing is, is probably, but I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. Lock and Key. Lock and Key was a 2020 American supernatural horror drama streaming television series on Netflix. Never heard of it. Yeah, uh, after Randall Locke is murdered at the hands of former student Sam Lesser, his wife, Nina, decides to move with her three children, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bode, from Seattle to Massachusetts and take residence in Randall's family home, Key House. The children soon discover a number of mysterious keys throughout the house that can be used to unlock various doors in magical ways. They soon become aware, though, of a demonic entity that is also searching for the keys for its own malevolent purposes. I remember seeing, like, clips of this and it just didn't jump out at me as something I wanted to watch, but, um... I don't... Anyway. I've never heard of this before. Like, this is the first I've heard of it. Yeah, I heard about it. Um, okay, I think lock and key here is, uh, very clearly just a play on the fact that they had a key party, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, and also I feel like there could be other media called lock and key that's just, like, less popular. Probably. Who do you think is the most normal person? Okay, and I hate to say it. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I think Archie is the most normal character. I could give it to Archie. I could also give it to Betty. I think she was also pretty normal. I, I think um, she tells Kevin that uh, she likes that it's just casual and doesn't want it to get too deep. She is self-aware enough to realize when they pick each other for the key party, they're talking and she's like, hey, we've been hooking up, but uh, now that we have the chance to do everything, why is it we haven't? They have a very normal conversation about what they both want. I think we, just the fact that like, there's more- to Betty and Archie together? We probably could. I mean, they they were both pretty normal. Like I like their plot line was so normal. It was so normal. They were they were communicated really well. Even his stuff with Veronica, he uh, you know, didn't make any moves on her until after and honestly, he didn't really even make a move on her at any point. Yeah, he waited for her to be ready to come to him. Yeah, he waited for her. He he expressed when she asked what he was feeling. He expressed that he had feelings for her. He even told, he told Betty he had feelings for her. He told Eric. He had, like, he, they, they were just lots of good communicating. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Barchi. Not yeah. as a couple, but as a couple of people. As a couple of people. <laughs> 
All right. And for we have no close but no cigars and no new characters, unless you well, count both Lacey's and Spiffany's. Yeah, Lacey's and Spiffany's got mentioned, not for the first time, but they are still in the um, extended Riverdale universe. Yes. We have a couple of thoughts and questions from our listeners. Gregory McBean says, no questions this week, just over the Polly storyline. Her storylines have never been super interesting. She just comes back once in a while to cause trouble, sometimes with C4 tr- strapped to her chest, which made me m- remember that moment. And um, wow, we just like, they never touched on that in the show. Polly just, really never talked about it. Polly never needs to exist. Like, I-, I would like to never have to perceive her again. Yeah. H. Raddick on Twitter says, it seems like Polly is screwing with Betty and Alice, but I have no idea why or whom or what would be the end game. Also, I'm now bored by Chad. From the farm, baby. I disagree. I with think that. it's I the think remnants of the farm. But also, like, Chad has been boring. I think that this is way more likely TBK centric or some other serial killer uh, than farm centric. But that could all be together. I don't think TBK is related to the farm or to. to I don't think TBK is related to the farm, but I think another murderer easily could be. We'll see. We'll see. I just, just wait till they're visiting Evelyn in prison again. Oh my God. Shouldn't she be dead? I mean, has she been getting enough? Um, didn't she have some oh, medical conditions? Yeah, I think that in prison they still have to treat your medical conditions. So I'm sure she's getting her um, what's that called? Kidney something? It's it starts with a D. D- dialysis. No. dialysis. Dialysis. Yeah. Yep. Teamwork. Teamwork. We knew what it was. Tom Palmer says, "Okay, if we were rewriting the episode, what would be the optimal pairings for entertainment for the key party? Assuming Veronica and Chad were actually opening open to swinging, and Jughead wasn't blackout drunk." I think, I mean, Jughead and Cheryl would be hilarious, but you know if that happened, Cheryl would just be like, no, draw again. I, I don't know, because it's so boring to say, like, Veronica and Archie and Betty and Jughead, because it'd be cool to have them talk, since they don't talk anymore. But, like, we, we got that. It was boring with Veronica and Archie. We don't need to, we didn't need to have seen that. Exactly what happened would have happened. I would love to have seen um Betty and Chad. That would have been interesting. That would have been hilarious. See, okay. If we had done this show correctly, where we didn't have Chad here, but instead we had Brett, that would have been great. Why did really they kill Brett? Why they did should they never kill have Brett? killed Brett. Should never have killed Brett. Ugh, they made a huge error there. A huge mistake. I don't know. Uh, for other interesting pairings, I'm not really sure. I mean, like, Eric and Betty could have been interesting. Like, I feel like they would have had a more Kevin-Rick kind of just conversation. Well, yeah, they and wouldn't then have that's, up, like, but... at least a little bit of drama because she's yeah. been hooking up with Archie, who is Eric's clear best friend. Right. I think if they had done that, though, the conversation we would have had would have been, like, Betty telling Eric that she has feelings for Archie and then that being even more awkward when they realize that they're not on the same page, but whatever. Yeah. Patrick says, since Vanessa left around this episode to have her real life baby will Tony have had the baby already by the time she shows up again or will the birth be depicted on screen I mean I hope that she just comes back with the baby I hope so too I think that's part of the reason why we had such a Kevin Fangs Tony Cheryl heavy episode was because we're not going to be seeing some of that for a little while at least at least the the Tony side of things Sev says uh, this is just a quote Tony we can try again like normal people Cheryl no it's too late also Cheryl tries again by forcing a night of debauchery. That's exactly basically a rephrasing of what I said, which is let's be normal friends. And Cheryl says, no, let's do it. But weird. Um, but weird. But weird. Brianna says, can you please explain how the person who wrote this episode has a job? No, I cannot. Kirsten, can you explain how they have a job? No. 
Is it you? Aren't you a writer of Riverdale? Here's the thing. Um, we had creative differences, and so I uh-huh. left the the team. I think that whoever wrote this episode took some substances before they did so. Was it Jingle Jangle or was it the hard stuff? I think that they had a combination of Jingle Jangle and harder stuff. They probably don't remember writing it. I think we've mentioned this before, but I just want to point out again how, how glad I am that we brought back Jingle Jangle, because Jingle Jangle was like really big and season two and then we moved on to fizzle rocks for season three but i'm glad we brought jingle jingle back but where is the, the fizzle one. rocks we need both no okay and now i just want to play a voice clip that uh chloe pointed out to us um this is from oh my gosh i can't believe it was two years ago when we did the robin akiva nita podcast season three episode yeah, seven that was end of march 2019 right yeah that was a while ago so here we go with this sound clip uh archie's dad was abducted by aliens we've never so, I don't know what happened to him. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. What do we do? Hire him. If there's an alien plotline coming up, I will never oh, no. forgive you for putting that into the is universe. There side- so that uh, that answers that question, so, which is um, it's it, we can blame Rob Sesternino for why there's an alien plotline. And I would like to make a statement here, which is that I am a woman of my word. My word is my bond, and I said that if there is an alien plotline, I will never forgive Rob Sesternino for this. So uh, screw you, Rob. We're in a fight. I'll never forgive you. It, this is, I, I think at the time, you can hear us laughing in the background. Oh, haha! there would never be an alien plotline. And I think the answer is, I don't think it's real aliens. I think they're trying yeah. to make us think it's aliens, but it's not going to be aliens. And I think that you're right too. So I guess here, I'll amend that. If this ends up to not actually be aliens, I will forgive Rob. <laughs> It's just so dumb. But they're no, but they're still trying to make us think it's aliens, and so I'm mad about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm mad at like I'm it. mad. I'm not happy about this. It's a problem for me personally. So we don't normally like rank things, and I'm I'm not gonna go through and rank them, but I think this is the worst episode of the season so far. Is it the worst episode of the show so far? I think it's a discussion to be had. It's close. It's like bad. there this is there are other episodes that I find boring. I think I love Cheryl sometimes, but I really love Cheryl as a small side character. Character. And when they try to make the Cheryl plot too big, I don't like it. Like my my other least favorite episode that I always think about, just because I've had to watch it so many times, is the very Cheryl centric season one episode where she tries to like get with Archie because he has red hair and his family wants her family wants Archie that to like, take over their company. I hate that episode. Is the absolute worst because that's also when Penelope is like, "Here, we'll pay you to date Cheryl." Yeah, I, I hate that episode. That's a bad one. The one where Cheryl and Tony like murder their uncle and pretend to feed him to his wife. Bad episode. Cheryl needs to stop trying to be the center of things. It's it's so bad. Another very Cheryl-centric episode is the Heathers episode, which I know you hate. But at least that's more interesting to watch. I just think that they don't know what they're doing with Cheryl. They don't know how to use her as a character. They just simply don't. Like, the best Cheryl was Cheryl who was like, I'm stuck in this horrible family, but I'm a good person and I need to get out of this. Like, the Cheryl being rescued from the conversion therapy the Cheryl having the Love Simon moment with Tony and that conversation. Those were good Cheryl moments. Bring that bring that back. All right, everyone. Yeah, that's, I think, is that it? That's, that's I think all? that's it. I think we can wrap it up. I just wanted to, I don't know, put a bow on this because I feel like we're, we're so down. We're so down on this episode, but. But you know what I'm not down on? Our friendship. Love you. Because <laughs> we have a normal friendship, a friendship where I think that I'm low maintenance and Kirsten <laughs> disagrees. Okay, everyone. <laughs> that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week for episode nine. Until then, you can follow me 
online at Frail Mary on every platform. And if you're interested, you can check out some of the other podcasts we do here on Kowski Cast. That's cow with a K. You can check out Kirsten at Kirsten Said What. You can check out her Twitch streaming regularly and also her Temptation Island podcast. Is that still going on? Yeah. So uh, yes. Temptation Island, I think there's seven weeks left of that. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I didn't know how long the season was. Yeah, it's a, it's a 12-week situation wow. or five weeks in. I know. Yeah. Speaking of which, I believe that there is going to be a fairly hefty yatus at the end of March for Riverdale. I think we've got two more episodes or so, and then there's going to be a little, a little wee bit of a break. So what that means, as you Riverdale podcast listeners know, is that we will say that we will release old episodes and we may or may not actually do that. I Here's the thing. In my mind, I know it would be great to record more season two and get that out into the universe, but the concept of a break? Sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds really good. It couldn't be coming, like... It'd be nice if it was coming, like, at a different time, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I've complained again, or I've pl- complained in the past about how every show I watch is somehow on Wednesday, and I don't know why that is the case, but literally <sighs> Wednesdays every are show big. I watch. Wednesdays are big. They're really big. I think I'm up to four or five shows on Wednesday, which is I frustrating. I have f- three currently. Okay. All right, everyone. <laughs> Kirsten, you got anything else? Oh, yes. Um. So this past week, I was also on the RHAP BB Can recap for the eviction episode. I also have my weekly BoJack Horseman rewatch podcast, BoJack Horse Pod. And this week I am also going to be on the Dom and Colin challenge coverage with Brian Scalley and Matt Liguori. So that will be coming out probably around the same time this comes out. So um, you'll have- It always cracks me up that Dom and Colin are not on that. Colin does like the draft podcast with them, but I don't know. It's just this Matt and Scally. I'm really excited. I'm like heavily booked this week. As well, if people would like to talk to us on Twitter at KowskiCast or leave us some five-star reviews, that would be great. When's the last time you left us a five-star review? If it's never, please give us a five-star review. What are you thinking? Yeah, and if you've gone in and given us a five-star rating but didn't leave a review, go back and write a review so we can have that as well. Yeah, if you write gross ship names, I'll read them out loud and give Mary blackmail material. Like she will. It's really, it's really helpful. And it's I don't really like helpful. it, but I'll do it for you. All right, everyone. Thanks for chatting, Kirsten. Until next time. Bye. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that was either. No, we can't do it in a normal way. Let's make it weird. Well, yeah, because the serpents are a good gang. All they do is sell weed, okay?